And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall here, joined us all as one of the guys, Andrew Turski and Chris McCormick. Boys, we're back. Three amigos. Last week we were missing one of those amigos. Although, I don't know if Chris could have beat Kyle Berkshire in a long drive competition. So, No, not even close. I looked at his numbers. Not even close. His swing his, speed's higher than your ball speed. Yeah, his yeah. club head speed is as fast as my driver ball speed. There's no chance. I mean, I would need to go no 10 cup down the road and really hope that he missed it. And there's no chance. It's not a thing. But this is a special occurrence today. Me and Chris are officially back together in the studio. The studio the boys. Odds. When was the last time you guys were in the studio? It's been a hot minute. I mean, we've been... A couple months. Yeah, we've been missing each other. I've been on the road. He's been on the road. <clears throat> yeah. Just hasn't been... Uh, Hasn't been conducive to studio time. You guys know that new uh, viral video, the Island Boys? We're the Studio Boys. Studio Boys. Yep. What? Is this? This isn't like Golf Boys or anything. What, what's Island Boys? Or do I want to know? I think it's it's Kodiak Red and his brother. We're way off the rails. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's fine. It's 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 the off season for golf, pretty much. So yeah, ninety seconds into the pod, let's get let's get going. It's going to be the most popular <laughs> Halloween costume of. 2021 so you might want to watch the right. viral well, video before figure... a bunch of people come to your houses dressed as these guys <laughs> okay <laughs> you're probably well, not I'm wrong gonna but either way we're the studio boys yeah. that's the that's the that, whole point that's the important takeaway all right. yeah all right studio boys got it all right well as much as i would like to sit here and talk about island boys studio boys golf boys <laughs> whatever other boys you, you want to bring up turski why don't we why don't we discuss a real gear topic how about that okay i mean this we could do best music that... groups ever but fine Backstreet we could no, we could do pass. we could do an equipment show we can do an equipment show but why, why not this is a topic that i was a little hesitant to discuss but only because it's going to make turski's ego even bigger but hey what the heck we might as well discuss it anyway so have you guys ever heard of an app called Collectible? No. The first time I heard of it was yesterday when me and you talked about it, where you said you were a big fan of it. Yeah. Well, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. I, I do. I, I, like, I like the concept. So the, I guess alternative assets have become really big here in the last, like basically since the pandemic started. So that's like, we're talking like game use memorabilia, art, NFTs, uh, sports cards, they, they've all kind of like just exploded in value. Well, not everybody can buy, uh, you know, I think I saw LeBron rookie patch auto sold recently for like 1.3 million. Oh. Most people can't pay or they don't have the cash to, to buy a LeBron <clears throat> rookie patch auto for 1.3. But through collectible, they do this thing called fractional ownership, which it, it, to me, it feels a lot like a, like a timeshare where you get a week at a place you don't own the entire place but you get some time there along with a bunch of other people well with this they are giving you fractional ownership in a lot of these like you know 1.3 million dollar lebron cards or in this case a tiger woods scotty cameron newport Terrellian putter the goat pretty interesting best putter ever made ever well, we, hey, so we had the so here, mean, here's why I'm a little bit crusty about most this. So we had a discussion about about like the most important putters. Which one would it cost more if it went to auction? Tiger's Newport to GSS, the one that he used to win 14 majors, or the one he used to win one major, which was the Newport Torellium. 
And Tursky said the Trellium because it was used to win the 97 Masters. I get that. It's historic. It started the Scotty Cameron craze. Can we all agree there? It started the craze? I, th- I yeah, think I, we know I, where I stand on it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, we we know where <clears throat> Tursky stands. I would agree there. But I still think a putter that won 14 majors is, is far more valuable than one that won one. Even though I agree the 97 Masters, I mean, that's – that's where it started. That's where it starts Tiger Mania. It, I mean, you can trace it back to, to that week at Augusta. There's a lot of people well, that play golf just because of the 97 Masters, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I I would agree. There are a lot of people. Sounds like a lot of agreeing so far. It's, just, ir- it's irrefutable. So you know. I, I, I would totally agree. But I still think that I still think that, that GSS is, is would go for more. Now, the most expensive Tiger Woods putter ever sold was sold two months ago for almost $400,000 through Golden Age Golf Auctions. Shout out, friend of the pod, buddy of mine, Ryan Carey, who's the founder of Golden Age. So I thought that that's a lot of money. Surely you can't go any higher than that. At least not, I mean, unless a putter that came out that was tournament used. Lo and behold, mm-hmm. Collectible and has a putter. Collectible has a putter that Tiger used, and it's a Torellium putter, which, okay, that to me, I'm a little bit confused right now because I never thought that Tiger used more than one Torellium. And they happened to, they being Collectible, photo-matched this Torellium putter to the 1998 U.S. Open at Olympic and the Bell South Classic, which, by the way, was Tiger's seventh PGA Tour win, making this putter not only tournament used by Tiger, but used to win a PGA Tour title. I, I mean, that's that's this that's it's huge. It's beyond significant because a lot of these other putters that have come out were all backups, so they're backup versions of the Newport Two GSS. They've never been used by Tiger. Maybe he's rolled some putts with them. But now we're talking about a gamer putter used by the GOAT. And so they're they're talking about the, the market cap because, again, this isn't going to auction, but you can buy and sell shares of this putter. I think I saw that re- most recently you could buy a share in the putter at 31 bucks. But they're talking about the market cap getting to a million dollars on this putter. Easily. Wow. I think right now. I think right now it's at like 625 but – I mean that you would think, of course, a putter that Tiger used, and he also used to win a win a PGA Tour event, was also used in a major. It's it's got to be worth over a million bucks, right? Way over a milli. I mean, the last one we thought was going to go for what, like two hundred thousand, I think, and it ended up going for basically four hundred thousand. So it like doubled up, and that was a backup that Tiger never really we couldn't confirm that he used. Like you said, this is a major and a tournament-winning putter, and it's the Terillium, which I've always thought was going to be more valuable than the original. We may have had a little disagreement about that in the past, but I stand by it, and I think this is oh, going to sure prove it. I'm sure, when you, this, I'm sure you stand by it. <laughs> when this goes for 1.8 mil, um, I think i got to get like a shirt that just says like Tiger Terillium on it. Like That's it, though. Are you going to buy some shares? Are you, are you going to buy a share of this putter? So I'm confused. Can you explain exactly what it would mean to buy a share and then when it goes for 1.8 mil like how much do i make on my 31 dollar investment 
Well, it, it depends. I mean, if you're buying in at $31 a share in the market cap right now for the putters, like 625k, I mean, if you bought if you bought a bunch of shares at 31 bucks and you're talking about the putter going to 1.8. Now, the only way you're getting that money is if is if somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I think that putter's worth 1.8. I'm going to buy it from collectible." And then everybody that's bought shares of this putter along the way would then get the opportunity to say yay or nay to selling the putter and then they cash you out. So it's just like it's just like a stock. I mean, your the, your shares are going to either go up or down depending on when you bought in and if if and when the putter eventually sells to a to a private seller or private buyer. So I'm just going to have to put my money where my mouth is. You going to buy some shares? I'm going to have to buy some shares at least one. Yeah. You got to buy a couple like shares. You got to like buy at least it. one. Yeah, you got to buy you got to buy at least one. I just thought so, about it. With the Tiger Terrillium shirt, I got to put a bunch of white dots on the back of it. Sorry. Makes sense. It's just where my head's going right now. Well, you make sure make sure it's not a white t-shirt so people can actually see those white dots. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, <laughs> obviously it would be a black shirt because the putter's black. Okay, just wanted to be sure. Just, yeah. just, I'm just pointing that one out. The, the putter actually has a pretty cool backstory. Um, if you want to check it out, you can go to Collectible. They have a website. It's a little bit difficult to navigate on, on like a desktop. It's a lot easier to navigate on your phone. But they've got photos of the putter. It comes with a letter of authenticity from Andre Reed, former Buffalo Bills great NFL Hall of Famer, Andre Reed. So not just some random dude. And I guess he was like golfing buddies with Tiger back in the day when they both lived at Isleworth. And there's a letter stating that he used to own this putter. There's also a certificate of authenticity from Scotty Cameron. That's usually you get with a lot of those tour putters, just stating that it was made for Tiger. The putter itself is beat to shit, which is kind of <laughs> cool, I think. I mean, it's like the top line's really dinged up. Like, like I mean, Tiger must be really... Like he must really wear out his putters because every putter that I've ever seen, Tursky, I would, I'm sure you would agree. Every putter that Tiger's ever used is just beat to shit. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know if he uses head. Look. I don't think he uses like head covers on his putter when he goes and plays at Isleworth and he's in a cart just banging around. He can't because I mean, <laughs> they I, get chopped up really not. bad. But it also, this putter's obviously changed hands. <clears throat> like I don't. What has Andre Reid done with the putter? Well, just been gaming it. I mean, I would like he might have been playing it. I don't know. There's <laughs> no like a way. huge dent no. in the shaft. Why would you? Ever, that was the other thing. There's a giant dent in the shaft. Now, now, I would love to believe that Tiger got super pissed at some point. He missed a really important putt. No Maybe way. during a money game with Andre Reid. No and he way. Just <laughs> slams it against the bag, and he's like. To pay to pay the man, he just gives him the Scotty. Maybe maybe that that's what putter happened. was on the line. Yeah, the putter he was on the line. Tiger got maybe pissed. Maybe that's a thing. He's like, yeah, you can have the putter, but I'm gonna crack yeah. it over this curve. The backstory yeah. by itself is worth at least a half a mil. <laughs> I mean, that's just a just to have the backstory. With. Yeah, that's the backstory that I'm going. with. I like. I think we run with that. We should we should get that trending. Get it on the TikToks. Yeah, tweet it, Jaywall. <laughs> get it on the TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> At fully equipped golf on TikTok. Yeah, that's right. Thank Some you. Some fresh for Berkshire videos up there, honestly. 
Yeah, we've got some. We've had some pretty cool Berkshire content. We've got a couple of videos coming out, the what's in the bag, and then also the long drive competition that we detailed from from last week when we were in Austin. But anyway, the Tiger Putter, if you want to, again, we we have no skin in the game with Collectible, but if you want to buy a share, check them out. It's on Collectible. Speak for yourself. Putter. I'm about to have some skin in the game on Collectible. Well, <laughs> Tursky is. <laughs> but the Putter is cool. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's And again, the fact that it's not only tournament used, but used to win a tour event, to have a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a piece of that, it's pretty neat. Because I can tell you, I'm not paying whatever you got. I mean, million plus, whatever somebody's going to pay for that putter. Because I agree, it's, it's it should be a million dollar plus club. Well, I think Chris was thinking about actually market. making an offer. That's it. yeah. We we were kind of <laughs> we were kind of talking about this. And if you know, if you know, you're you're virtually certain, we'll say that this thing is going to go for well over a million dollars. I said it would be kind of fun to just get in there and go, yeah, I'm going to throw a bid at it for half a million dollars. I just for fun to be like, yeah, you know, I bid on that, but I just I just didn't see the uh, the ROI being being worth the the full investment. I like there, it. I mean, go go for it. See, I mean, see what happens. I I, I mean, do you have to you have yes, to pass like a credit check? Put you in a really to... tough spot. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I've never done any high end bidding. All I do is get shares of putters. I mean, that's char- all I get. I just get charity shares. events that do live auctions and stuff. I'll raise my hand just for fun when, like, it's the the beginning of a bid, and then I, I get real nervous when it's like going once, going twice, and I'm going, "Oh God, I can't afford this." And then actually, somebody else comes in with it. I actually do have a a high end Freddie Couples photo autograph. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Shout I, out Alice Cooper. I want to let you know I bid on three items during that live auction. Did you win all of them? No, not even close. Mm-hmm. But I threw my hand up just for fun. <laughs> just to say just to say that he did oh man yep. i got so close to <clears throat> bidding like, on man i was i was really going for it i was in for 1200 but it went for twenty five thousand. i mean i was right there i was in the mix uh, oh boy well anyway tursky's gonna be a, a partial owner in this butter which is great i'll report we'll, back uh, on my winnings I'll say re- report back on on the money that you make. Just remember, you gotta you gotta report all that stuff to the, to the tax man. So. I want to see if you get like a little certificate that says. Well, that I do that. now. Now that you brought it up, snitching. <laughs> I hope I hope they give you something. Maybe you get like a members only jacket. It's like you know, part owner of. <laughs> well, I'm making the Tiger Terrillium shirts for all of us part owners. All of us are gonna. All of us are gonna have. Oh, them. okay. Well, everybody, listen. I'm fully equipped. If you, uh, if you're a part owner, Tursky's gonna up. make you a t-shirt. Yep. Yeah, hit them up. Well, you do have to pay for the t-shirt. But... Members only t-shirt. I love it costs. It. it costs more than the share of the butter, <laughs> but. Oh, uh, yep. There we go. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going from from the Torellian butter to to a real to a real gear topic, and this is this is something that I wanted to discuss with Chris. This feel versus real, you know, and for people out there that are listening that don't know what that means, uh, I'm talking about, uh, well, we'll just get right into the topic. Why not? So Tommy Fleetwood changed from a TaylorMade TP5X golf ball to the TP5 Picks ball. And he's had some some decent success with with this new Picks ball. And, and one of the things that he noticed was – um, at times he felt like he was pointed directly at the target, but he noticed that there was a slight variance in, in the way he was lining up. And it was actually, he, he wasn't lining up properly. And 
Um, I'm wondering, Chris, how often do golfers come in and, and say, man, I'm, I'm feeling this, but like you are you as the fitter, it's like either no, you're definitely not pointed in that direction. No, you're definitely not feeling the club load the way that you think it is <laughs> based on what I'm seeing. I mean, how often does that happen during a fitting? At no exaggeration. That is literally a conversation that I have every single day. <laughs> oh, the, the disconnect <laughs> of feel versus real is very real. Oh, it, uh, it it never ceases to amaze me how far apart those are sometimes. And you'll uh, you'll get a player that feels as if they are, let's just say, in to out when in fact they are seven degrees out to in. And you know, I'm I'm really trying to release the club. No, sir, your club face is eleven degrees open at impact. That is not releasing anything. So feel versus real is is definitely very relevant and very alive in my world on a day to day basis. So so what do you do in a situation like that where it's so wildly different from what they are feeling versus the real? I mean, how how do you kind of like wade through that situation to to try and help them find a, a solution? I mean, having, we use Foresight Quad in all of our indoor facilities, and we use TrackMan typically when we are outdoors. And I fit primarily in the uh, the indoor studios, uh, specifically here in Scottsdale, but I'm traveling all over the country, and I see the same issues pop up, no matter where it is. But, I mean, essentially, if you do have a player that is making those comments of, I feel this, or I'm trying to do this, or this is what I'm looking for, you can validate it very quickly or kind of bring that topic up of, well, I know we're trying to hit this particular ball flight or trying to get the club to move this particular direction, and then you pull up their club data and go, in reality, this is what's happening. So it's, you know, the, the visual perception that a player has, the feel that a player has. Nobody can pretend to tell a player what it is that they feel, but you can validate it or at least give them some actual feedback as to what the launch monitor is telling them compared to what they feel like they're doing. So just like I said, you know, when a player feels like they are, quote unquote, releasing the head and yet the face is consistently remaining open and they can't understand why they're hitting a push fade when they are trying to hit a draw, it's you know becomes pretty clear when you go well face angle at impact is four degrees open and there's no way that that golf ball is is coming back from that particular impact position just not going to happen if you're fitting a player they come in they're like yeah i'm trying to get like a little more over the top i feel like i'm dumping under and they're way over the top and you're on track man or you're on foresight and you see that the in and out numbers are not where they want to be like will you coach them and be like we need to reel it back in the other direction or are you just simply taking the swing that they come in with and you're fitting to that have to fit to what they come with i mean if you are if you're trying to play swing doctor it does a couple things so number one if they're working for a coach uh, don't touch the swing <laughs> right number two if let's just say hypothetically uh, I'm able to wave a magic wand and get that player that's way over the top to all of a sudden get it coming from the inside. Now you've built a swing based upon a compensation to make the golf club work. So the likelihood mm-hmm. of them resorting back to that over the top, out to end move once they get that club and get back outside, pretty good and likely that that's going to happen. So I don't like to band-aid or build a fix-it swing while we're in the studio just to get something to work or just to appease that this is what I'm trying to do kind of player. 
<clears throat> so there has to be a conversation that happens that is primarily, okay, I understand this is what we're trying to do. However, this is the swing that we showed up with. And if we fit the club dynamically to the angles that you create, if you start to make a change, the club's just going to respond even better. So, but it is, it is important to kind of point out and identify, this is what you're feeling. This is what's really happening. In the event that you get your feel back down to the reality of the swing, then the club's still going to perform, and here's why, and having that conversation and explaining it to them. Do you want a player to come in with their swing where they're like thinking about their new technical positions, something they've worked, been working on with their coach, or do you want them to like give you their on-course swing and just be like, okay, let's pick a target, let's hit it to the target like we would on hole 12, or do you want their range swing? That's a good question, <laughs> and sometimes those are pretty far apart. Right. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to Q&A, what do you see on the golf course? And if they say, you know, oh, I hit draws and I miss it consistently left on the golf course and here we are and doing the fitting and all I'm seeing is is a fade. Mm -hmm. And if the, the motion says I hit a draw and they're just losing the face in an indoor environment, I'll typically take the player's word for it. I mean, they know their game a lot better than I do in this short little snapshot that I get to see their swing. And if they tell me, yeah, I hit draws and I hit hooks and I miss it left on the golf course. And I mean, I'm going to take their word for it. Mm -hmm. So I will fit to the angles that they create. And if they happen to be losing the face a little bit indoors or losing the face during the fitting, but they are confident in the fact that they have a particular miss that I'm just not seeing, I will accommodate that particular miss that they're seeing and try and take them down a direction that helps guard against that miss. I feel like that probably happens a lot. It, it, yes and no. I mean, the feel versus real thing happens every single day, like I said, mm -hmm. where they, they they feel like that club is doing something or they feel like their body's doing something or like Jay Wall said, their alignment's one place and it's definitely not. Uh, that happens all the time. But, I mean, to see just dramatically different ball flights, it happens, but it's not super often. I feel like with feel versus real, Sometimes, like, I'll just go to the range and start experimenting the swings and be like, okay, I got to figure something different out because I'm terrible. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have, this is like... basically like a normal day on with Tersi on the golf yeah, course. He just yeah. experiments with different swings. Maybe a left-handed club thrown in there. Literally. Sure. Whatever like, he's feeling that's, just, that that's just my game, especially these days. I've always kind of been like that, though. But I do like setting up my iPhone and just, like, recording what I do so I can kind of watch it back. Typically since this is the feel versus real topic, typically they all look the same. I'm like, how is this possible? I feel like I'm doing so much different stuff where I'm exaggerating or I'm changing up my tempo super hard and it all ends up just looking the same. And that's, I'm like, that's not uncommon. I'm like, why don't I just go out on the course and just like swing and play? I mean, you're, you know? you're literally talking about motor patterns. And to change a motor pattern, how it is that your body naturally wants to move. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially swing to swing, really tough. The biggest thing that starts to change is when we make these adjustments mid-swing or with our setup or we're making these static adjustments. And in reality, what we're starting to do is we're manipulating club face. And we're also adding tension and pressure, either extra pressure in one side of the body or another. Or we're starting to add tension and pressure in a different facet of our grip so i mean maybe we squeeze it a little harder at the top maybe we try and flip a little more at the bottom 
whatever the case may be. But it's as far as the angles and how your body naturally moves, doesn't really change too much. So is the answer just like kind of letting it go more instead of like creating more tension and creating doubt and fear and like, like for someone like me who loves just experimenting, (laughs) I'm asking, I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, other golfers have to feel this way too. Sure. This is a, this is a Tursky golf therapy session right here. But you step on the first tee with literally, you step on the first tee with literally everyone, anyone. And they're like, oh, well today I'm working on this, this, that. It's like, it's always like, yeah, sure you are, bud. Sure you are, bud. Yeah. You know, but we all are kind of like that. And then usually by the third or fourth hole, they abandon it. The swing doesn't yeah. really look like it's changed anymore, but all of a sudden they're hitting it better. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. I think I think the most important thing to – and I've just learned this more from talking to tour pros over the years about testing and how they test, is they all say the one thing that they make sure to do is they make sure that they're swinging it well before they start testing product. And I Mm -hmm. think that's one really important thing, you know, going kind of back to the feel versus real, you know, sometimes if like the worst thing, in my opinion, that you can do is go to a fitting out if you haven't played golf recently or you've played sporadically because your, your swing isn't grooved at all. You're, you're just kind of trying to find it. Maybe you have a good range day. Um, but I, I feel like that's really important. Like if you're going to go to do a fitting, make sure that you're, swinging it well and that you've been playing pretty consistently going into that fitting because that's when you're going to get the most accurate snapshot of of where your swing's at my opinion so what do you do like early in the season when new products coming out and you haven't you literally haven't played maybe you haven't touched the club in like three months you recommend taking pretty taking that week around for me like you expecting me to like hit golf balls during during the year i mean i spend more time chained to a desk I know. <laughs> writing writing about golf clubs than I do out on the, the golf course. I mean, I spend a lot of time on the range, which I don't really like. I mean, I've talked about that. Just I always find I, I test the best when I'm on the golf course. It's always a lot easier. I like going out late in the day. That's kind of my that's kind of my trick is is just I go out late in the day and I can throw down some balls and hit some real shots. I mean testing on the range to me is just it it only provides you with a small a small snapshot of kind of where where the product is i always like to take it on the course before i'll really strongly consider testing it more than that but yeah it's tough because we don't we don't get a ton of time to play big surprise i'm sure nope. to a lot of people out there who are listening here's therapy session with jay wall now <laughs> this is the i work too hard segment of the show that's yeah, i'm not getting out sure. there to play much <laughs> so There's... all three of us this is just a group therapy session there's there's not a lot of play practice time in in my regime anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, but I I do think that there's there's a lot that you can be learned from this this feel versus real where, where Tommy Fleetwood was going with the ball and just to kind of put a bow on this because it is kind of interesting. So Fleetwood ended up going to the the picks design on his ball, but one of the things that he did was he actually went from a thinner sharpie line along the along the side stamp to a thicker sharpie line. He was feeling like adding that thicker sharpie line actually helped him kind of line it up a little bit better with with the troop with the picks alignment if you've seen the picks alignment it looks like little triangles or kind of they've got you know black on two of the sides and orange on the bottom and it's kind of funny i was talking to adrian rietfeld who's one of taylor made's tour reps he's been on the podcast before and 
he said that Tommy actually didn't even really know how the, the picks alignment worked. He just thought it was a bunch of triangles on the golf ball that, that sort of helped with your alignment. He didn't realize that when you putt with it, it will create a channel. Those, those orange lines on the bottom help create a channel as the ball's rolling end over end. So it could kind of show you if your ball's rolling true and over end as you're making putts. And um, so once he kind of got, uh, you know, the, the gist of it, it was like, oh, man, this is a eureka moment for me. Like, this could work. And, you know, from there, he puts it in play. But here's one of the interesting thing, interesting things, and this is like total tour pro right here. So as he's, as he's like working with the ball on the, on the putting green, he asks Adrian a whole bunch of like rapid fire questions about like, is the ball the same as the TP5X that he had been using, even though it has the, 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 align, the picks alignment on it? Where is it produced? Um, he Whoa. had to go test it on the golf course head to head against, so it wasn't just that he wanted a ball that was better on the green. Like he had to go out and test it with a launch monitor with, with, with a quad on the course to make sure that the golf balls performed the same. <clears throat> so this kind of just goes to show you the tour pros. It's like, Oh, Hey, cool. This golf ball might be better and might help me line up a little bit better. But Hey, if it's not the same golf ball that I'm using right now from a performance standpoint, T to green, then that's a deal breaker. I feel like those are fair questions, though. It absolutely like, With such a unique cover, you know, a, yeah. a tour pro could but be nervous the same, that the, the performance is not going to be the same or the spin or aerodynamics could be yep. different. For and sure. They're doing a bunch of different graphics with the, the TP5 picks line. They've got the, the Collegiate Series, and they've got the NBA Series. and the Pizza. Yeah, one of the pizza new balls. ones that they, uh, they came out with was actually money. instead. Of, yeah, they've got the money symbols. Mm-hmm. They've got pizza slices in place of the uh the triangles they, they've got all kinds of stuff going on here it's cool i mean I, I think it adds a little bit of a little bit of personality to your golf ball and uh and there's nothing wrong with that anyway i think that was a cool topic right there just just sort of that feel versus real and, and i think we got way more out of it than i than i ever thought so let's put a bow on that topic in discuss another tailor-made staffer rory mcelroy you know it was pretty perfect timing. You know, Tursky was out on the road and he managed to snap some photos of Rory's gear. Rory won PGA tour title number 20 at the CJ cup. And he won it. Let's just quickly go through the bag. What I want to do is I want Tursky to, he shot, he had a complete in hands of, of Rory's bag. And he did a story on golf.com. It's probably one of my favorites, Tursky this whole seven things I noticed while inspecting, you know, fill in the blanks clubs. And and this most recent one was with Rory's. Uh, But just to kind of let you know what he does have in the bag for setup, he's tailor-made Sim 2 in the driver with a Fuji Curve Ventus Black 6X at nine degrees. He then goes into the tailor-made Sim 3 wood with a Fuji Ventus Black 8X shaft at 15 degrees. Hybrid, TaylorMade Sim Max, we got to discuss, discuss this one. Project X Hazardous 105, 6.5 flex at 19 degrees. He then transitions into the irons, TaylorMade Roars Proto P730s, 3 through 9 with a PX 7.0, the PX meaning Project X wedges, TaylorMade MG346, MG25658, which I always find interesting. I always love kind of digging into the wedges. Like why does a guy play MG3 in his, in his pitching wedge? but he's not playing the MG3 in his 56 and 58. And 56 and 58 are tight, are pretty tight loft gaps right there anyway. But they have to be bent. PX, 
You would think. PX, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have to be. PX 6.5 in the 60. shafts. I'd say 55, 59. Yeah, you would think. You would think, yeah. There's got to be a little bit more, a little more of a gap there. Those are just the 56 and 58 that we have here are just the standard stamped lofts. They're not whether it's bent, weak, or strong. Uh, TaylorMade Spider X Tour Putter with a Super Stroke Traxian Pistol GT Tour. It's the European Ryder Cup themed grip, which is pretty cool. Even though uh, I'm surprised Rory still has it on the the uh, putter after they got trounced. And a TaylorMade <laughs> TP5X Golf Ball. So there's your total setup for Rory McIlroy. Tursky, what were some of the things that you noticed while shooting Rory's clubs? Yeah, I just want to say these stories are really fun to do. Um, it kind of takes like the oh, what's yeah. in the bags up to the next level where it's, yep. you know, you're actually analyzing and seeing what's different about it. And, you know, I mean, we all we all know what a, a Sim 2 driver looks like off the shelf, but what does Rory's look like? Where's he hitting on the face? What adjustments is he making to the hosel? You know what's he doing? What's what do his grips feel like? Um, I would say, I would say the the coolest club that he has in the bag is his hybrid, and I'm showing I'm showing Chris right now. It's that Simmax hybrid. We never thought Rory would play a hybrid in his right. life, and then two years ago he throws one in the bag. It looks like he still has the same head that he was testing with originally. It's got to be the same head. <laughs> how do you get face. how do you get a wear mark like that? That wear mark when, when, is when, absolutely insane. I mean, that wear mark is like the wear mark that I would expect to get if you were if you were hitting like a bunch of range balls all the time that had like ding marks all over them. I mean, this this wear mark, go check it out, golf.com. It it is it is insane. I mean, it's dead center, but it is just worn out. Yeah, dead center, maybe slightly toward which would make sense because Rory's in now hits draw, right? Twist face. Say twist face? Just twist face. <laughs> you can see the twist face so clearly because he never misses out on, like, super out on the toe. And then he has uh, three strips of lead tape out on the toe, which, you know, we talk about all the time, but kind of reducing that, that overhook, which with hybrids tends to happen with all of us. I think we've all hit it out on the toe a little bit too hard and just snaps off. I got that out of balance for me. Yeah, I've I've got that shot. Yeah, that's why I don't play a hybrid. And then me um, either. And then looking at his driver and three wood shafts, I think it's I think it's interesting. He goes from from six Aventus black six X in the driver all the way up to eight X in the three wood. Is that like a bigger jump than you would expect? Because there's what twenty three-ish grams between those it's not super uncommon i mean the the typical transition if you're playing a 6x in the driver is to transition into a 7 in the fairway wood but i mean a lot of it just kind of depends on the objective of the player and what it is you're trying to do with that launch window in that particular golf club so i mean if he's trying to maintain control and manage the flight and if he's using it as a positioning club more off of the tee than he is off of the turf to go after par fives, then, I mean, he could set it up a variety of different ways depending upon what he's looking for to use that club for. Is it interesting to you that he has a Sim 3-wood but a Sim 2 driver? Because I feel like, you know, Rory's misses left. I think we all oh, we yeah. all know that. Yep. And the Sim 2, 
I feel like was a little bit more draw biased than other TaylorMade drivers in the past. And, Agreed. You know, there are some guys on the TaylorMade staff that have stayed with the sim kind of for that reason. Um, does it surprise you that he's that he's doing this, or do you think it's like set up? He's got hot bunch of hot meld out on the toe. He could. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of guys that are out there on tour, and fairway woods and putters are the two hardest things to get out of their bags, and that's that's pretty true with any tour pro you talk to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll they'll make a driver change, usually pretty quick. I mean, year to year they're making driver changes to the newest, latest, and greatest. But a lot of these guys will find a fairway wood that they just really like. Same thing with a putter, and it stays in the bag. It doesn't come out until it breaks or till they find something that's just exponentially better. And a lot of times that doesn't happen year to year. It might be two, three, or more before they make that change. Do you see that a lot with, with guys that come in uh, to see you? They have like an, an old fairway wood, and you might test some new stuff. But it's like even if it's better, they might still be more comfortable. How do you kind of deal with that? Do you like push people to new product? Or do you like, no, keep it. You love it. You hit it well. You trust no, I, it. I don't do the hard sell. It's uh, I will – for me to make a recommendation, it has to justify a place in the bag. Mm-hmm. So there has to be marginal improvement or better, and there has to be some type of performance benefit for me to pull a club out of a out of a player's bag. And that's any handicap level. So, I mean, if I'm looking at somebody and they absolutely stripe their fairway woods, I, I ask the question, what do you want to see different? And if they go, well, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I just want to see something new. We'll do some testing. But mm-hmm. if I'm not seeing something that really just jumps off the page, I'm not changing it. And then uh, speaking of not changing too much, <laughs> his irons, his Roars Proto irons, oh, my God. They're, like, bashed. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little bag chatter there. <laughs> but you remember look... he went back to a bunch of the old stuff. I mean, he, he literally yeah. was, like, digging through his garage. And and he went back to this this old set of Roars Proto irons. I mean, they're they're no different than than the set of like the P seven thirties that he had in the bag. But mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know how it is with tour pros. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a guy had some success with it. Things aren't working. You're gonna go back to the old set. So no surprise 100%. there. And anyway. these were the first ones that were the inspiration for the newer ones, right? Right. That they basically just copied. A lot of the marquee players had their own Proto versions. Yeah. Yeah. And the Rose Protos, they made, they made DJ little, Protos, little modifications to uh, to some of those. To, I mean, because yep. not every not every tour pro on their staff. Plus, the beauty of having a, a stable of thoroughbreds is you you can kind of cater to whatever they need. I mean, you're not dealing with like a mega staff, so it makes it a little bit easier to to make a set of irons for every player that wants one. Absolutely, and you and I both know. We all know. Those weren't hanging out in the garage. They were just in a timeout closet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. Truer words have never been. The comeback of the timeout closet. Back in the rotation. They need just it. need a little break. They're back. And then he gets the win. And I, I'm telling you, it's real. the power of the closet. It's a thing. And uh, it is. So he, totally so he does have seven point Project X seven O's in the irons, six fives in the wedges. Your takeaways on that, Chris? Should we all be doing something similar? Super common. Tiger, I mean, Tiger started that. Yeah, it's it, it it's very common. It's recommended. Recommended? Yeah. Okay. A little softer. Wedges. I mean, how often do you see 
your more accomplished players taking full rips at wedges. They're trying to hit a number. They're looking for a little more feel, give you a little more control. And I will typically tell players that, I mean, as you do iron fittings, play a softer shaft that gives you the best opportunity to control your shot. And then that stays true as you transition into wedges. You're not going to take full ripping shots at wedges for the majority of us out there. So sometimes going a little heavier, a little softer, gives you better feel, better control, more consistency with maintaining club face. So a lot of reasons to go that route. And by the way, all the photos that we're talking about, they are up on at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. You can check out our Instagram page. That's at Fully Equipped Golf. Um, but we're looking at uh, photos of each of his wedge soles right now. And they are significantly different. We got a full sole on the 46. Makes sense. That Tiger Woods grind on the 56. Yeah. And that 58. Pretty versatile. A lot of like leading edge relief. I'd say it looks almost like an L grind from the, uh, the vantage point that I had it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's you can tell he. Leading edge relief. He is manipulating the uh, the club quite a bit to hit a variety of different shots with that wedge. I mean, there's a lot of grinds going on there. Yeah, he, I feel like I you got to be so in tune to like sure. be able to tell the difference between these two, the 56 and the 58. Where there's so much leading edge here, and then there's just a little leading edge here. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it comes down to what are you trying to accomplish with this wedge? What shots do you want to be able to hit? So. To you, when you're looking at this, this would be what? You're kind of opening it up more and you're playing so, more high-lofted shots. You want to get under it, and then the 56, you're kind of getting a little bit more diggy. Yeah, I mean, when you camber that club back, he doesn't want to expose the leading edge. So when he's playing those higher-lofted shots and soft hands trying to get the ball to essentially drop and stop around the greens mm -hmm. or potentially around the bunkers, that'll give him an opportunity to still utilize the bounce without exposing the leading edge. So he can hit those high soft shots off of super tight lies and not have to worry about the uh, the leading edge getting in the way. So for like normal golfers that aren't Rory McIlroy, they don't have access to master craftsmen to perfectly dial in the sole. We're screwed. The, the recommendation <laughs> is though, get four different wedge grinds, go out to the short game area and try them, right? That's the best way to go about it. I mean, if you're not getting fit and you're just kind of a do-it-yourself guy to, mm -hmm. to self-diagnose, don't have access to a fitter, don't necessarily have the, the patience or the resources to go through a professional fitting, my recommendation would be to pay attention to your turf interaction, know what type of shots that it is that you like to hit around the greens. Are you somebody that cambers the club back and uses a lot of loft, likes to hit the ball up in the air? Are you somebody that cambers it forward, keeps the head and hand, or I should say the hands in front of the head, in front of the leading edge, and you hit the low chasers and things like that. So, I mean, if you're that guy, something that has a little bit more of a pronounced leading edge, a little bit more bounce, a little bit more full sole, that would be the way to go if you're somebody that likes to camber it back and just kind of nip it off of the ground, don't take big divots, and you're using that bounce, you can get away with a little bit more aggressive grind. But mixing it up so you have a variety and have at least the option to play a variety of different shots. Yeah. I mean, I would mix it up. What grind is best if you have the, have the yips? If you have which the ones, yips? Yeah. Which one's best for that? I, I'm going to go with a uh, chipper. Okay. <laughs> and then let's get into Roy's putter real quick. Just to clean it up. He's got the spider X tour. 
the Hydro Blast colorway. So it's a mallet, obviously, but it has the little slant neck on there. Who's that good for? What kind of stroke is, is that lining up with? A mallet, but a slant neck. So there's going to be... There's a little, a little bit toe hang. to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that just helps to... It doesn't release the face like a, a traditional face balance putter would. So it does give you an opportunity to have a little bit of toe hang. And then still maintaining that full mallet head gives you the MOI of a traditional mallet that's going to give you a similar result whether you strike it centered or a little towards a toe, a little towards a heel. I mean, that spider putter is so versatile. I mean, you see the 30 handicaps playing it, you see the tour players playing it, and it just fits a huge, huge spectrum of player. That's a really so that popular was... neck option out on tour. Yeah, the, the slant neck, for sure. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Pretty much so. I feel like, uh, was it Jason Day who started it? I feel I feel like he gets the credit from me in my brain. Yeah, I don't sure. I don't know no, if he started I, I, I it, but agree. it definitely, yeah, it definitely got it really caught on with that one. Yeah, hundred percent. Everyone's yeah. like, "Ooh, when, let me get that." Yeah, short yeah. slant. And, they, and that was back when uh, he was using spider red. Yep. Mm-hmm. That I mean that I feel like that really started the the spider craze out on tour, and that the color was of the spider craze because because yeah. everybody. Everybody saw the red, and it was like, I remember the fun. One of the funniest stories I heard was when TaylorMade came out with that putter. You know, they had a black version. DJ was using it, and yep. so guys were were asking for that black putter because they wanted to use the black version. And I had I had been told that TaylorMade was like, Nah, man, it's red or nothing. <laughs> because if you think about it, the red shows up on television. I mean, it's a yeah. great it's a great marketing play. But like telling it, it oh yeah, you want. You want to use that putter, bud? Grab a red one because you ain't getting yep. a black. Sorry, bud. DJ only with the black. Yeah, DJ yeah. had the black. Even one. though, even though that then, was Austin's putter before it was DJ's. DJ stole. J Day had the, the uh, had the red one, and then they came out with the rose tour that was black and red. Ooh. Uh huh. So the rosy tour was was a kind of a hybrid black and red version. And now they have any color you could possibly any color you want think of. Yeah, <laughs> I have Where's a question. Quick, quick question. Just a quick one. We can move along. Oh, where's Jason? Where's Jason Day? I haven't seen him on a leaderboard five years. He's hanging out playing cash games with Anthony Kim. <laughs> didn't I, uh, I did see him? Didn't uh, they just have? Didn't they just have another kid? I don't know. I think so. I don't I keep thought, up too closely with industry gossip. That's why it. I presented the question. I, well, I, I, I don't think it's industry gossip. I mean, he had talked about it. I thought that was why he <laughs> didn't try and qualify for the U.S. Open was because you're the uh, one talking about his kids. I don't know his wife. <laughs> Just this feels like a, this feels like a trap, man. This feels like I was trapped. For this one. I, this this is not this is not TMZ fully equipped TMZ. Say, where's this where's is, TMZ at? They they got the story. Knowledge. Come on. Y'all stop, stop. I'm not like digging into the J Day, you know, social media feeds to get all kinds of like salacious nuggets. Y'all stop that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever. Well, that, that was inside note, Rory's bag with Chris McCormick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. This is not. This is not inside TMZ slash PGA Tour. With John Inside, J-Day's trash. With and J-Wall. now for J-Wall on who Tommy Fleetwood's dating. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll keep it clean. Well, back to the gear. We're we gonna make. Are we gonna make some picks this week? Yes. At MGM. Oh, every time I pick someone, they finish last. I say, let's, is it even, get it, is it even worth it for us to make picks? I mean, we we're basically just telling people, hey, don't pick this person. We're really bad. There's gonna be a dumpster fire happen with this player this weekend. We're picking them. Stay away. Well, let's give an update on how we did last week. <laughs> Do we have Who did we pick? I didn't get to make a pick last week. I don't know. I was replaced you, by okay, Kyle hold up, Berkshire hold up. for good reason. Persky, yeah, do you even know? Yeah, who I you also did not week? get a pick last week. I, I picked, picked Maverick McNeely, and I'm and I'm happy about that because you guys are some cheating. You know what's because <laughs> what? Chris takes whoever Tursky takes, and Mark has some inside info because he's dealing with the subpar boys. And I'm sure they're giving him some hot tips. So I I don't that is trust unfair. any of y'all. I, that fe- that you, feels you guys unfair. Are, you guys are cheating. You're cheating. Hey, I was all set to take Hideki Matsuyama last week, and you guys. No, just, yeah, I'm you, sure you, you were. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Hey, subpartment uh-huh. on that one. That's easy to say after the fact. Exactly. Exactly. After Marcus, the fact. Yeah. He's just a degenerate yeah. gambler. He knows, he knows the <laughs> well, lines. Well, he is. He, knows he is winning on. lots of money. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't deny that. So, have you hit any new parlays here recently, producer Mark? I figured I'd take a break this last weekend, and I only bet yeah, here we go. a little bit losing. here and it's there. streak. Because because you can't keep up like that, but I, I got a great pick today, so don't worry about it. Oh, now that's now that's go. smart. There you cannot is. you cannot ride a hot streak like that forever. But I I can appreciate the honesty there. Tursky, do you know who you even took last week? Do you know? I took Maverick McNeely. Okay, at least Glad you know who them. you took. So do you know? I where, think he... do you know where Mav finished. I'm looking right now. He finished. Wait, 20, did you take a twenty five? Did you take Hideki? No, I took Ricky Fowler. He finished T4. Uh, Jay Wall and I took so, Hideki the week before. I made the cut. No, I took uh, uh, Morikawa the week before. He almost won. Oh, that's right. McNeely that's finished T25. So that's what I just round. said. I just I, you're not even listening to me. I'm just like I'm not even here. I heard. I, I heard you. Podcast. I said T25. You know. I was focused. Listening. I was focused on trying to figure out who you picked because I was like, <laughs> I had that moment where I was like. Oh my God! Did he pick a deggy? <laughs> no, I did not. I would have been talking okay. about that at the top of the podcast if I had taken the winner. <laughs> okay, so this week is the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, the tournament that they they couldn't even fill the field. Are, are we on the alternate list? Have you have you heard? Are we getting in this week? I'm playing this week. I'm third alternate. I'm waiting okay. for the call. I, I, I'm probably a little bit further down the list, but, but I think I'm going to withdraw. So maybe Chris will get in the field. Yeah, they couldn't even fill the entire field. I think they're they're five guys short. They couldn't get they couldn't even get enough guys to commit. So can we explain why? Why why couldn't they fill the field? I mean, sure. Do you, I mean do you know? I don't. I mean i i had no heard, idea. I had heard that it's it's not it's not a stateside event. It's got to be tough so, to like get over there and deal with the COVID protocols. That's got to be why, right? I think. I think it was yeah. I think there were I think there were COVID protocols for. Now I'd also heard I think it was one of the. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna feel bad now. It was one of the Golf Channel guys that I saw who mentioned that there was a flight that was going over to Bermuda, and it was uh, overweight, and so they made some people get off the plane, and I think one of them was uh, was Brian Gay. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. So pretty pretty interesting. Week That's not lightening a lot of the load. No, no, not yeah. really. There's a couple other yeah. guys in the field probably could have got off the plane, lightened it up a little bit more than Brian Gay. 
I mean, Brian Gay's not a not a big guy, so that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's I I think it probably has something to do with with protocols and and getting all that done. Plus, you know, it's not cheap to fly to Bermuda, and you know, I mean, it's that time of the year. It just I don't know. It it kind of it's kind of like a perfect storm, I guess. And there's not a full. I think field, the Island Boys are, are over there on Bermuda, aren't they? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they're maybe they're getting in the field. But we you know what they should have just Island done. Is they boys. They should have. Okay. All right. All right, Island Boy. They should have just given a whole bunch of like local Bermuda pros the opportunity to play. Like, just let them in the seriously. Field. Yeah. Why not? So I th- I, th- I think that would have made a lot more sense than to just leave the spots open. But hey. That's uh, that's just me seeing an opportunity to get some uh, good publicity. But we got to figure out who we're taking. Makes so picks. Who's gonna, who, who's gonna kick it off and make some picks? Our Turski, you want to go with your two or three who's, picks? Who's, who's going? Well, is Alatoris in the field or not? If you if don't not, know, I then no you pick. Pick. I have you're no picks. You're not allowed to pick. I joke. I if, joke. If, if Willie Z yeah, was in the kid. field, you know he'd probably be the betting favorite. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It would, be, it would be tight between him and uh, Fitzpatrick. But Can we just I talk about some of the with... names that, that are up here, by the way? Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Speak um, your truth. Mito, Mito Pereira is plus 2,000. He has the third best odds of anybody in the field to win this week. What uh? What sports book is that? Uh, a lot of people are saying who. It this we're, we're okay. We're looking at the odds here on on BetMGM. We've talked about them before. BetMGM, great place to go place a bet. As always, literally my favorite platform. Up, yeah, if you haven't signed up with BetMGM, use bonus code Fully Equipped, and it gets you a thousand dollar up to a thousand dollar risk free first wager. If you don't win. You get the money back and free bets. You're going to keep betting. So, anyway, shout out BetMGM. As Persky and I were talking about, super clean layout on their on their site. It's pretty easy to figure out which bets you want to place. They've got tons of props. It's it's crazy. Even for a week like this, they've got all kinds of crazy bets that I that I was love their props so, there. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Have you won any money on the props, Tursky? I'm going to guess yes. If he's talking them talking them up. <laughs> Definitely, definitely better on the props <laughs> than I have been on picking the winner. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you, you and me both, bud. All right. So, just saying, Mito Pereira is at plus two thousand. He has the same odds as Patrick Reed, by the way. Yeah. yeah. If I'm Patrick Reed, I feel disrespected. That's I think Pereira is a stud, but a, but a lot of people are probably like, who? Who? Right? Who? We'll see yeah. this week. Uh, oh, and uh, David Lipsky is plus four thousand this week. Same odds as Denny McCarthy. Uh, Adam Hadwin's plus three thousand. You know the Mito Pereira one. I keep going back to him at plus two thousand. Those are some like pretty short odds, and he's finished like T thirty one, T forty. He had a third place finish in there, but maybe maybe the book knows something that we don't. Is Mito Pereira going to win this week? Is that why his odds? They always so do. They always know. know. Always know. know. All right, fix somebody. In. Who you got? I'm going with the safest irons on tour. They belong to Aaron Ray because he uses that covers on his irons. <laughs> so what, what what odds what odds you got on BetMGM for uh, for, for Aaron? I got I got plus five thousand. Okay, he's a gamer though. Yeah, he is, and his I irons like really are super clean. All right, I'm All also right. taking 
someone at plus 5,000. You steal my pick? Also taking someone at plus 5,000. He has yet to make much of an impact on the PGA Tour. Played in the last three majors. The main reason I'm taking him is this guy is an island boy. (laughs) And he, he he has won... He has won his last two <laughs> European tour events, oh played on an island, friend of the program, Garrick Higo. Wow. Friend, see? friend of the see? show, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And what, a, what a great pick. That is a good pick. And well-researched, too, I might say. Nice pick, Coach oh, Mark. I, I, thank yeah, you, thank I you. like it. I like it. He's got the inside line, oh, Jay, while we already talked about boy. it. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, oh, I'm I'm looking I'm looking right. at the field here, and I uh, well now that now that they made you know, Brian Gank get off the uh, the airplane, Ooh. I mean, I uh, I'm gonna go plus sixty six hundred here with Duffner. Wow, Duff City, yeah, Duff Duff City. I'm I'm gonna go Jason Duffner. Wow. I mean, I could do the right. the sabotage pick and and pick Patrick Reed so he doesn't win. Wow, the reverse fate. I've done that literally like every week. I know. I mean, that's why I picked. Team I act surprised that I've done it every week too. I I got called Benedict Arnold, but it was actually a, a default pick <laughs> for the U.S. to win the Ryder Cup. I I understand. I understand. So I was are you going U.S.? Are you going P. Reed? Or are you going Duff? No, I'm gonna go Duff. I'm gonna okay. go Duff for the the legit pick. I like it. Like J. Ball. I like it. I'll uh I'll I'm gonna take a safe pick. I need I need the dub here. Although nobody's nobody's had a, a whole lot of success, I'm gonna take Adam Hadwin. It's not a long golf course. Hadwin is a a solid iron player, so I think he I think he fits the fits the mold for a guy that could have some success in Bermuda. So Adam Hadwin, also friend of the program, friend of the program, sneaky friend of the program. Oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> sneaky friend of the program. All right, so there are picks. I don't know if any of them are actually going to do anything, but good hey, luck out there, boys. Want, if you want, all I can say is good luck out there. If you want to lose hey. some money, uh, you know, take take our picks. Why not? And make hey, sure that hey, you're uh, signing up with BetMGM, and and you can get that money back. Yeah, I would say with this week, if you're going to bet this tournament, take someone with some crazy odds. Who the hell knows going to who's going to win this thing? Yeah, yeah. why not? AKA Fitzpatrick's going to win. AKA Owen Brown plus two hundred fifty thousand. There's a hot yep. tip. Look at look at Stadler down here. <laughs> Stads is in. Oh, buddy, plus a hundred thousand. Why not? I thought this was Cameron Smith down at the end. Plus one hundred fifty thousand. If you if you take Stadler, like the, dis, the disrespect. Some, some odds that were that were not correct. Tursky was going to jump on it. Daniel Chopra's in the in the field. If you throw five bucks this, on this Stadler, is, this is a crazy field. On Bet MGM, it pays out five thousand dollars. Yes, sir. So, just bet on Olin Brown. That's interesting. Two hundred and fifty thousand plus two hundred and fifty thousand. Just, just throw a dollar on him. That's worth a twenty dollar bet. I mean, come on. Five bucks on that. Seventeen thousand five hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Barnes is in there plus fifty thousand. Does he still rock the painter's cap? I mean, why would you ever deviate from that classic? All right, guys. No lay, comment. Lay, lay off, lay off Ricky Barnes in his. I said no comment. Yeah, yeah, I know. I wasn't saying it as I, a I negative know, comment. I know you were. I know you were thinking something. Okay, so as always, if you want to bet on BetMGM 
and I think you should, download the BetMGM app today. Just remember that the promo, the risk-free first wager, is only open to new customers only. Again, it's going to be paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Wyoming, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 1-800-889-9789 in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. There you go. Sheesh. Well done. On take Jaywalk. Well, last done. last week was not. I, I had a little bit of a slip up, and and I aimed to uh, to not do that again. So there we go. There are picks. Redeemed yourself. And and totally redeemed yourself. We've got a. a if you have a winning receipt. ticket, you can redeem yourself on betmgm.com. Damn right. Oh man. But who do you call right. if you're? Well, an I'm, I'm trying to get into this. The, I'm trying to get into the next thing here, and you're just just going on about I, who knows what. Who knows what. <laughs> God knows what you're talking about over there, Tursky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guess what? Hey, we have a mailbag question this week before we get into the interview. It's a good one. The question is, if manufacturer patent rules didn't exist, what components would be blended together to create the ultimate driver? Oh, I love that. What a question. I great, love that. It's a great question. <clears throat> wow. So why don't we just why don't we just go around the table here and, and just like figure it out? Let's let's pick the best pieces. I'll I'll kick it off. Oof. We'll go <laughs> with the Titleist ATI four twenty five face. It's pretty tough. I mean, look, Dang there it. are a lot of great That's there are a lot of great say. technologies out there. ATI four twenty five was was a pretty game changing face technology. With with the new titles drivers, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's my that's my like face technology. Now that doesn't mean that you can't add something to that face. I've got some ideas here, but I'm gonna just kind of throw that out there and see if you are picking up what I'm putting down. Okay, so if you take that face, just twist it a little bit, and then well, uh, not even what, but what if you were to put what if you were to put inverted cone on it? Oh, and then ICT, and then jailbreak it jailbreak it and then mill the face as cobra would do ah i like it there's all right lot, next question what else you got yeah i was about to say i mean seriously i mean that's what that's what you would do right why wouldn't why, you take yeah, why wouldn't you? the benchmark well, technology also, from all the oems well also i would i would throw the i would throw some of the moi properties from the ping drivers in there i mean ping, <laughs> ping drivers pretty pretty tough to beat in terms, in terms of forgiveness and MOI, so uh, why don't we do? Why don't we just uh, add that into there and, and just kind of mix it all together and create a driver? What do you think? I like it. I mean, I don't know why you don't take that stuff right now and just call it something different. And I mean, that's what they <laughs> did with adjustable loft sleeves. That's what they did with movable weight. That's what they did with multi-material construction. Just put your own name on it, call it something different, and then just make a Franken club and go, oh, yeah, this is our new eh, whatever it is, even though we totally copied this guy, but we're not talking about it. Yeah. I would, well, personally, I would just say to, to try to actually answer the question, I think I would go the M6 crown. M6 the, little, crown. the little white top line near the face, 
the back portion carbon. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll accept I mean, that. My as preference. A... Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if there's like a crown, crown design that I, that I like more than that. Turbulators. I was just going to say, maybe throw some turbulators underneath. Throw there. some turbulators yeah. on it. It's time for the turbulators. Oh man, we could, we we could we could create a Franken driver. I think I think a lot of those technologies would definitely do. What about uh, what about weights in the in the bottom? What kind of what kind of what kind of adjustable weight technology would you, would you go with? Slider S. Slider S. I mean. Oh, that just puts me out. I can't hit this driver now. <laughs> I, was say, now. Well, I, I can't I either. Not, I guess I'm not hitting this driver. All right, cool. Uh, so hopefully you guys are making like a, a 14 degree or a 16 degree lofted one for me because I have no spin. If we're going slider S weights, I'm in trouble. I always think like the two weight system is always pretty good. Like one weight in the front, one weight in the back, and you can kind of either go forward CG or back CG. I was going to say, are you talking? Spin. It's nice and simple. Okay. I was I'm not. I don't even have a particular driver in mind. I just. I think that's like a pretty easy to understand, simple system. I like. I mean, or the I great like, big Bertha 2016, the sliding weight in the back, the slider weight. Any bad? Nobody's. Nobody's talking about those. Uh, nobody's talking about the cartridges, the weight cartridges. Where did the, Where did those? You just did. Happen? They morphed uh, into I'll be a jailbreak. Honest, man, I, I think. I think they. I think they were just too confusing. Real talk. Are you talking about the Titleist cartridges, like the SureFit? Well, there there were like multiple there were drivers like multiple drivers that had the cartridges. I mean the the Callaway driver had uh, had the weight that you could flip, the same like the same type of deal. You could flip it like one one mm-hmm. way or the other to to change the uh, the CG. Yeah, that was the Alpha driver. Didn't yeah. Nike the Vapor have like the battery? Battery. Remember that the. No. Hold on. There was a battery-operated driver. Like Did I miss that? Battery. It, battery it just looked driver? like a. Just throw a nine volt in there and on, hit bombs with it. Thirsty's been cheating out on the golf course. Yeah, those. Uh, sort of... Jay, while those those gravity cores from the uh, from the Alpha drivers, that's uh, that's kind of how they discovered jailbreak. Yeah. The. Uh... Right. Oh. Jailbreak. I mean, all the, all the technologies you've been talking about. Jailbreak's just such a such a brilliant technology. As Tursky's doing this, I'm trying to just kind of fill the fill the air. But to be able I to connect see this the, battery soul, operated the, the soul and the crown, Not battery operated. Just... <laughs> anyway, the could have the sworn they had a weight adjustable system. No, no. Yeah, the Nike Vapor Flex. The Flex. See that? Let's see. What do we got here? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. A battery. No, it's actual it, battery. It's a a vape. weight port and the, the nike vapor speed and flex drivers you kind of just stuck the battery in the back like does it look like a battery in the back it does. one it, side's it, heavy one side's yeah, light. it looks like you're putting a double a into the okay. back of the driver all right. yeah all right all right I not a battery wait, just for clarification it's definitely not a battery but it's 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 a weight it does look like it, a battery though not gonna lie who wrote that article right there October twenty second, twenty fourteen, by Mister Jonathan Walt, the oh, battery operated driver. What? I guess I, I guess I did write about a battery operated driver. All right, cool. Look at this. Find stuff all the time. 
Is it a quality Whatever. article? Are you perusing? I can tell you that I that I do not. I'm just trying to see if he if he uh like referenced it as makes the battery looking, connection. Yeah, looking like a battery. Yeah, that would that would be something. Did not reference it. Guaranteed. A flight pod. It was called a flight pod. There we flight go. Pod. Flight pod. So resin a resin tube with a high density weight on one end. All right. Well. Either way, I don't think that would be on our. Top no, it's not, not going to make the cut. No. Sorry, Franken Club. No, no flight pod for you. All right. So there's all your tech. I think it, I think it pretty much covered all the uh, all the high points. A lot of it's new tech because the new stuff is pretty good. And what else can you say? Bunch so, of new stuff coming out as well. So be on the lookout. Oh man, jeez, we've we've been we've been getting some rundowns on some truly wild technology coming. Not gonna lie. Twenty twenty two is gonna be a good year. I'm looking forward to some twenty twenty two. We're gonna be able to talk about it on this show and test it. Twenty 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 two is gonna be a great year for, for technology. There's there are some like game changing, I think, pieces of tech that are coming. And that yeah, I've, I've heard some often in this industry. preliminary reports coming out from uh from yep. some oh. tour guys doing some testing saying they wanna put this yep. stuff in play now. Yep. Not put it in. Happen. Put it in play now. Let the king of Getty images list. spot it too. Yeah. Yes. Let me give me a chance. That's all I need. Just an opportunity. <laughs> all right. Speaking of opportunities, Tursky and I had the opportunity. Wow. To... Wow. <laughs> we had the opportunity to sit down with two of the most famous, popular Formula One drivers on the planet. Tursky, who did we interview? I wanted to see if you get the names right. Sponsored by Ferrari, we got Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. My man. My man. Dang. All right, Skr -skr. so we, we, they're, they're actually pretty big golfers. Carlos, I think, more than, than Charles. But it was they were fun interviews. We did them back-to-back. -back. Tursky had a chance to interview Charles. I interviewed Carlos. Get a chance to learn more about their golf obsession. Enjoy the interview. Charles Leclerc. Hello, hello. Formula One race car driver. Welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast. Now, Thank normally do we do, we do uh, golf equipment. We don't necessarily talk about race cars, but we had a unique opportunity because you're up here with Kyle Berkshire at a Cobra event. You were just learning how to hit long drives. What was that experience like? That was incredible. I mean, to see uh, Kyle uh, hit the ball so far was extremely impressive. I was not very familiar with... Uh, um, with this type of, of golf, with this side of golf. And it's just incredible. The swing is also very, very different. Um, so it was very good to see. And Kyle gave me very nice advice. Um, and, uh, and I improved quite a bit during, uh, during the session. What did you learn? Uh, just the way the swing is. I mean, I don't have a perfect swing. I really like golf. I really like playing it. But I, I don't go um, uh, play that often. We've got races all around the world. So we are traveling all the time. And whenever I've got a bit of free time, I try to go and play golf. But I'm not a pro at it. So, uh, yeah, we really went through the basics. But it was, uh, it was very nice. When you travel around, I know you travel the entire world. Um, do you bring your sticks? Like, do you play golf? I don't. Uh, I normally rent them wherever I go. I've got uh, okay. my sticks here at um, in Monaco, so at uh, at home. Um, but uh, but no, I don't bring them with me. 
what's uh what would you say are your favorite courses from around the world i feel like you've played some unique tracks and have access to different courses that the normal traveling public might not have access to probably my my teammate did more than i did uh carlos um but uh well i played in in monaco quite a bit and the the harris one which is in the south of spain which i really enjoyed um i also did the the grand canaria one uh, just after the european tour the day after um probably the the one of grand canaria was was one that was very very special i feel like the adrenaline rush of being in a race car is so intense and then golf is a little bit different it's a little bit more laid back do you like playing golf for that part of it or is it like you like the competitive nature of golf like what is it about golf that you love i think it's a bit of both um whenever i arrive at a golf course i am so relaxed and it's something that helps me disconnect from racing uh, racing obviously is uh, uh is what i live for and what i've always dreamed of doing which is to be a formula one driver but uh, it takes also a lot of i mean it gives us a lot of pressure while we are during the during the races and the race weekends so whenever i've got free time as i was saying i'm going to a golf course and when i arrive i i just relax completely and and disconnect from it and this is what i like then whenever i'm with a friend and i've got my competitive mindset that is uh, kicking in and then there's only one thing that i want to do is to win so uh um but uh but yeah a bit of both but probably more for the relaxing uh, relaxing time for someone like me i'm not like the biggest uh race fan and i don't know what it's like even being in a race car what's kind of that feeling when you know you're going super high speed you got to make a late late run on someone pass someone late you know move up position like kind of take me through that feeling of what it's even like it's a feeling that is extremely difficult to um to explain because i i don't think people in general just understand what we are going through while we are racing uh, these cars are, are just absolutely incredible um for the little you have you have seen of, of formula one i'm pretty sure you saw that those cars has a lot of, of wings a little bit everywhere and that like presses the the car uh uh, down and it gives us a lot of grip so in the high speed corners we are going at speeds that are just beyond imaginations and uh, and this is just crazy it feels like a roller coaster but a roller coaster that you can completely control um, and this is the best feeling in the world in my opinion that's why i enjoy this sport so much and uh, and then once you arrive to the race then you've got other factors coming in because qualifying you are alone on track you are just trying to do the best best lap possible trying to maximize the potential of the car and then once you arrive in the, in the race you've got 19 cars around you and um and then you need to try and and understand what's what's the the what are what are the drivers going to do and and try to to uh, uh yeah to just expect it and and do something different to to react from it in the best way possible how did you know that you were going to be a professional race car driver like at what point did you kind of get that in your brain and what are the, like the skills and attributes that make someone a good race car driver actually very late in my career i think i mean uh, i started at three and a half years old the uh, karting so extremely <laughs> young okay uh extremely young before you um, got the driver's license exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well yeah 14 years and a half before i i got my driving license yeah. so quite a bit um but i fell in love with the sport straight away and from that that moment onwards it was clear that i wanted to drive as much as possible whether this could become a work if we can call that a work i mean if i could live with it um, I didn't know at that point and I 
I've known him very late in my career, probably once the Ferrari Drivers Academy got me. Uh, Scuderia Ferrari has like a part uh, where the Ferrari Drivers Academy are, are taking young drivers to try and help them bring, uh, bring them to the top level. And uh, that's where I felt I probably had an opportunity to, uh, to make this uh, yeah, as, a, as my job, if, if I can call that a job. Do you have favorite, like obviously as golfers we have favorite courses, do you have favorite racetracks? Of course I do. Um, Monaco for me, Monte Carlo uh, at home. I mean, for me, obviously, it's special because I'm at home. But other than that, just the, the tracks where there are walls straight away, we, we don't have any rooms for mistakes. I mean, you 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 lock a wheel, you lose the, the rear of the car, and, and that's a wall straight away. And I think this as a driver is extremely challenging. And uh, and I just really enjoy to be, uh, to be on this track. As a... Uh you're sponsored by Ferrari. Is there added pressure being that that's like, you know, the top brand, top race car? I'm sure the car is extremely expensive. I don't know exactly how expensive, but, you know, is there that added pressure? Yeah, I don't think you can put a, a price on a car like this. I mean, there's so much technology, but more than the technology, there's um, thousands of people working back at the factory in Maranello just to develop one car mm -hmm. uh, because at the end it's the two cars uh, are exactly the same so they are all working to try and maximize absolutely everything of the car so of course there's pressure there's the pressure that ferrari is such an iconic name in formula one um it's probably the most iconic name in formula one and whenever you you race for them you you've got to uh, you've got to uh, deliver um but uh, but for now everything is is going extremely well i'm extremely proud to be part of this team and um it's not the easiest time for the team. We are we are going through a, a rough moment at the moment. The the car is not as good as what what we would like it to be. But we are working hard, and I'm pretty sure that from next year onwards, we'll uh, we'll develop a much better car to to be able to fight for the for the title. Hopefully, is it hard to turn the switch off from being on the racetrack to actually driving on like a normal road where there's laws and regulations? Like, do you have that extra road rage when someone's going slow in front of you, or? <laughs> Uh, I've got the road rage whenever I'm in traffic. Uh, that's that's probably where I get uh, the most annoyed. But uh, otherwise, it's quite easy to make the difference. Um, yeah, the road the road is very very different to a race uh, uh, to a racetrack, and um, we are we are racing in much safer um, situations, much safer uh, environment. Um, so yeah, I, I never took any risks on the road, and I'm just a, a normal driver on the road, and then trying to go as quick on the track. Last question here, and not that we condone golf cart racing, because we definitely don't. But if uh, if golfers do find themselves in a golf cart race, what's some advice you have for them <laughs> to get the win? Like, what's the mentality, uh, or what are what are some tricks? They need to take the slipstream as much as possible. Slipstream is when you get behind a car. And uh, whenever you are behind a car just in front of you, then you've got less wind going on your car and you are going quicker. So just take uh, as much slipstream as you can. There you go. <laughs> Slipstream's the, uh, the key. Charles, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This week. Thank you very much. All right. And that was our interview with Charles. Now let's get to Carlos. All right, Carlos. I'm really into golf, so. I, I know you're into golf. Thank <laughs> you for joining us on the Fully Quit Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I was watching you down there, and I, I swear you probably could have spent like another hour hitting golf balls only Are one you? hour <laughs> i could have spent like three yeah and i actually just came back from uh playing playing nine holes with ian polter uh, here nearby what was and that he, like that was crazy like he's one of my idols you know i'm, I'm european i'm spanish yeah. and ian yeah. is like one of our our main reference there in europe and, and all over the world to be honest and um he gave me a couple of swing teams at, at the driving range mm. 
and I went to put it in practice in the nine holes and I was a disaster. <laughs> so I came here, I saw the opportunity to hit a few extra balls in this event and I tried and it was a bit better, but yeah. I'm still struggling a bit. So you've played with Poulter. Who else have you played with? Have you played with Rom or, or Sergio or any of the, the Spanish contingent? I've never played with uh, uh, Sergio and, and John, but um, but I'm planning to. I, I'm in contact with them. It's just super tricky to put our schedules together. It's, uh, you know, whenever I'm in a Grand Prix, they're in a in a in a tournament and vice versa. And right. One lives in, in in Arizona or something like yeah, that. John lives in Arizona and. Actually, Sergio lives in Austin or yep. nearby. Yeah. So it's, I'm mostly in Europe. I mean, it's, it's a lot trickier than what you would uh, imagine, but I keep trying and it will happen. So how much golf are you playing during a race week versus like how much are you playing on, on your downtime during, during the off season? So I would say like during my season, I go, my season is March to December. I would get a round of golf every every two weeks, or more or less, one or two rounds every two it's weeks. It's pretty good. I try, and I, I and that's it's like squeezing it in. Uh, <laughs> the rest, I'm I'm too busy, or I have all the things to do at home to catch up. And golf takes quite a lot of time out of it. But first thing when I land in Madrid or in Italy, or when I get back home, I try to get a golf round in and try to spend some time with my family, with my friends, relaxing and just get the golf round in maybe one class, one lesson per one or two months to try and recenter a bit my swing. And then if if we go to places like Austin, when we go to mid the Middle East, right. they're always on a Wednesday, I, I try to sneak in uh, an eight, 18 hole. So who who got you into the game and how, how young were you when you first started playing golf? So I started taking lessons when I was five, obliged by my dad, basically. I, he made me took lessons of every sport, tennis, paddle, uh, golf, uh, alpine ski, uh, football, you name it. Uh, Was it squash. just to like kind of get a feel for all of them to see if one, yeah, one kind of stuck? He, he basically figured out that he loved sport himself mm -hmm. and he knew that if he would have taken lessons at a younger age, it would have been a lot easier for him to play those sports that he, he then loved playing. And now he loves playing golf but he learned at a much older age so he said he's gonna thank me like he thought my son is gonna thank me if i get him into lessons of all these sports because right. he will get to a decent level quickly and actually thank him because i stopped golf once i was 10 and i told him like i i wanted to focus in formula one and then suddenly when i turned uh, 20 21 suddenly i started watching golf in tv and i and i felt a lot more attracted to it again and and started playing and I went from a 25 handicap that I started when I was starting again to a to a 9 10 handicap and since then I I tried to keep it more or less around that figure. So who of the golfers I know you watch a little bit on TV which which of the golfers swings do you do you try to emulate or or whose do you do you really like when you watch them play? So what I try and uh, when I watch TV golf I try and learn from the simplest swings from the swings that i see that i could potentially with decent mobility flexibility i could more or less get into those positions so when i see for example a swing that i love is uh, sander shoffley like shoffley oh yeah it's like so straight so look he makes it look simple yeah. and the positions he gets into i love them 
and I try to replicate, of course, and uh, it's impossible, of course, and, uh, and it looks completely different and really bad, but, <laughs> but I try. But you got to try. Obviously, Rory, Rory is uh, a big one, Tiger, but these swings are a bit more complex, I find them. No? They are too perfect right. in a way, no? and yeah, I try, but uh, yeah. What what was it like? I, I know you spent some time with Kyle Berkshire, who's long drive champion. I mean, he hits it. I mean, a country mile. It's it's amazing to watch. What was it like watching him hit the golf ball? And did you learn anything about maybe how to get some additional distance? Insane. I mean, it's <laughs> one of the craziest experiences as a golfer I've had just to see that guy hit a ball. It's just something out of this world. And when my ball was landing, his ball was still going up. You know, he's still his ball was still penetrating the air <laughs> while my ball was starting to land. And I'm not a short hitter. I mean, I can hit it 250, 260 carry, you know, but yeah. this guy was, compared to his 450, is, is half, no? So you can use, just have the difference there. And I loved it. I loved it. And just the way he uses the weight transfer, the the heaps, the... the, the the everything I, I don't know. he uses every inch of his body to generate power yeah last question for you what what is it about racing and golf that are similar or, or what is it about about them that that you think that maybe you could take from the golf course to the to the track or or vice versa probably a mental challenge is the biggest one i would say let's leave the buggy the mental challenge of playing against yourself being on your own out there uh, it's the same as being on your own in your own car. You know, we are in a single seater. We don't have a co-drivers. In a way, it's certainly similar, the mental challenge. But, you know, what I love about golf is 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 what it gives me as a, as a human. You know, like the possibility to spend four or five hours outside getting a bit of lighting and, and um, good weather, good... Uh, I'm a good weather player. I must admit, I don't go out there when it's. Not You're not good. out there in, in the in the wind when it's when it's really whipping in the rain. And Only when I'm really obsessed. Like <laughs> there's weeks that I say I need to play golf, yeah. and I get out there as soon as I can. Yeah. And yeah, it's probably one of the only moments of the day, if you think about it, that you spend five hours without looking at your phone, without worrying what's going on out there. I actually now spend the whole day playing golf and then I go back to my phone 12 emails uh, 70 whatsapps Instagram Twitter Facebook and you suddenly say oh, I've, I've spent five six hours without having to look at this and now I cut all this accumulation which it shows that during the day you're constantly yeah. and that that feeling is for me is the most important and obviously sharing time with friends and, and family yeah. thank you cheers thank you very much and that'll do it for episode 114 of Fully Equipped. Thanks again to Charles and Carlos for the time. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We are at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram, at Fully underscore Equipped on Twitter. Tursky, what are we on the TikTok? At Fully Equipped Golf on TikTok, and we are yeah. the Island Boys. <laughs> this has been the, been the worst episode ever. I always appreciate or the best to or the, the island best. boys. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>